So the person of the gospel, the good news. And see, there really is no good news without the person. So if you take the person out of it, it leaves me and you. And we probably know what kind of news me and you are. You know? And if you had a real good look at yourself, you might not call that really good news. Maybe you will, but maybe you won't. Apostle Paul got a look at himself and he said, oh, wretched man that I am. That was the conclusion he came to of himself. But the beauty that we have is that we are in a new man. We are in a new creature, a new creation. The new man who is Christ. That is who we are in. And this new man is not a wretched man. This new man is full of peace and joy and life and righteousness. And you are complete, Paul writes, in him. So not only are we in him, we're complete in him. Now, that's pretty good news. Now, we've come to a completion of Christ. Christ has completed us in himself. That's where our completion's at, in the Lord Jesus himself. Outside of him, you and I would remain incomplete. But in him, we are complete. That's simple. But it's powerful. And many Christians do not understand they are complete. They do not consider themselves to be complete. They're waiting for completion. But he is our completion. If we were in the world and we were looking for the missing link, you could say Jesus is what was missing. That's what the heart was always missing as the deer pants after the water brooks. My soul pants after the Lord. So the heart was always desiring. It always, it's, it's, it's formed to desire. I believe that the heart of man was formed with a desire in it. A man has tried to fill his or her heart with things. But Christ is our portion that fills us up. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. He fills the heart. He makes the heart complete. He makes the soul complete. He's the portion. So everything we set our heart on should be him. So getting into 
the lesson on the gospel in, in Mark chapter 1, where we've been now for some meetings. We get the introduction of the Lord, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea and all they of Jerusalem and were all baptized of him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. And John was clothed with camel's hair and with a girdle of a skin about his loins. And he did eat locusts and wild honey. And preach, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the lashing of whose shoes I'm not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in the Jordan and straightway. Coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens open and the Spirit, like a dove, descending upon him, and there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Now, what I want us to do tonight is we've established Jesus Christ as the good news. We've been doing that for the last couple meetings. So the messenger was sent before his face. We're going to go back into Isaiah and back into Malachi and look at these scriptures that relate to that. But before we do that, we, we mentioned this this morning, John's purpose of coming, John chapter 1, verse 6, and then on down in verse 29, deals with John's purpose of coming. So we look at John Chapter 1, verse 6, St. John. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. So he just didn't show up. He was sent. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them gave he the right to become children of God, even to those who believe on his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. I mean, I could stay right here all night. John came as a witness of the light as a testimony he came to gather judea out unto jesus in fact that's what we read up in mark that all of judea came to john so judah came to john and then in verse 29 of john 1 says the next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. 
This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man that is preferred before me, for he was before me, and I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and it abode upon him, and I knew him not. But he that sent me to baptize with water, and we read up before that God sent him, he that sent him to baptize with water. The same said unto me, upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that he is the Son of God. So John's purpose of coming was to draw Israel or Judah back, okay? Bring them back to regard the prophets, to catch them up, so to speak, in the word of God, to bring their mind back to what? God had said concerning Judah and Israel in the scripture and to reveal Jesus Christ to them. So John, who was the lineage of the priesthood, I don't know to what level, but the lineage of the priesthood. Baptized Jesus in the Jordan, and the voice declared him, Thou art my son in whom I'm well pleased. So, so if we if we get this picture in our minds that all of Judah had come out to John, maybe we can hear the significance of Jesus coming down into the water. So all of Judah come to John, and here comes Jesus, and John declares of him, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And here in the Jordan, the heavens roll back upon the declaration of him, or the heavens are opened upon his declaration. I think that's the way it is today. The declaration of Jesus Christ opens the heavens. Heavens aren't open on anything else, but up on him. That's what Jesus even said, said hereafter, you, you shall see, you know, he told Nathaniel, the angels of God ascending and descending upon the son of man. So he's the stairway that Jacob saw in the book of Genesis leading into the heavenly realm of God. And it was open here at his baptism, and he was declared, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Now, if I would just hear this along with what Paul said, you are complete in him. God said of Christ, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Paul says of Christ, you are complete in him. So that puts you in a pretty good place. 
your complaint and the one whom who it is declared, God is pleased. See, we've lived our lives, many of us, struggling to please God in Christianity. But what we want to come to is the good fruit of the land, the good fruit of the place that God's brought us to. And that's where we're going to go back to the prophets. We'll start with Malachi, and then we'll go to Isaiah 40. And we really want to emphasize some things with you from Isaiah 40. So let's flip to Malachi chapter 3. And verse 1. So in Malachi 3, I've got to get there. Behold, I send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. Now, this is American Standard Version, and this word before me could be the face, just like it reads in Matthew 1. But he said, Behold, I send my messenger, he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant whom you desire, behold, he cometh, saith Jehovah of hosts. But who can abide the day of his coming, and who shall stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like a fuller's soap. Now, these are questions. And he will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them as gold and silver, and they shall offer unto Jehovah offerings and righteousness. So this one that's coming is going to refine a people to offer righteousness unto the Lord. And then verse 4 says, Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto Jehovah, as in the days of old and as in ancient years. So now let's go back to Isaiah 40. So here's the voice, the messenger, and here's the voice in Isaiah 40. Start at verse 1. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortly to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she hath received of Jehovah's hand double for all her sins. The voice of one that crieth, prepare ye in the wilderness the way of Jehovah, make level in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the uneven shall be made level, and the rough places a plain, and the glory of Jehovah shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of Jehovah has spoken it. Now, consider with me verse 5 and what we just read in the Gospels. I believe it's declared in Mark, maybe John, Mark, maybe Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but in more than one of the Gospels, it tells us that all Judea went out to John. If you start Isaiah, start the book of Isaiah, chapter 1, chapter 2, it'll tell you that it's the vision 
concerning Judah and Jerusalem given to Isaiah. So the glory of Jehovah shall be revealed now to Judah and Jerusalem. Jesus Christ, who is the glory of God, was revealed upon the earth. Right there at John's baptism. Okay? There's always a natural before the spiritual. And, I, and what the Lord is working in my heart is to establish the natural. So Jesus came and was glorified as the Son of God in the midst of Jerusalem, in Galilee, in Capernaum. You can go on and on as you read the Gospels. He was declared to be the Son of God there at the baptism of John. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. And then he was declared with power in the midst of Israel, in the midst of Galilee, in the midst of Jerusalem, to be the Son of God, to be the ones the prophets declared by the signs and wonders that he worked. In fact, John asked, are you the one that was to come, or do we look for another? And what was Jesus' response to that? The blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk. No, I'm the one, John. Don't look for another. Behold the Lamb of God. So he was established in Judea. According to the flesh. And the glory of God was manifested in Jerusalem. And Jesus said that I have glorified thee where at? On the earth. And now glorify me with thyself. Which is in the book of John 17. I have finished the work thou gavest me to do. Glorify me with thyself, with the glory that thou have, that I have with thee before the world was. And then he goes on that I may be glorified in them. So, so there was the picture of Jesus being revealed, being anointed, being the one that God had determined in Jerusalem. Amen. And that's what John 1 says. He came to his own, and his own received him not. He was the lion of the tribe of Judah. So he came out of Judah. He grew up, Isaiah said, as a tender plant into the Lord, the planting of the Lord, to fulfill everything God had said, to bring it to fulfillment, to bring it to its purpose. And those that received him, see, here's the transition in John 1, the transition that's in Christ. You know, that we read in Hebrews 10, he taketh away the first that he may establish the second. There, there in John 1, he came into his own, and his own received him, uh, received him not. Behold the Lamb of God. So he came as the Lamb of God to Judah. 
And it says, but his own received him not, but as many as received him gave he the right to become children of God, sons of God, those that believe on his name. So that was the transition because before Jesus came, they didn't come unto God through believing on his name. They came unto God through the old covenant rituals, through the through the sacrifices and offerings and lambs and turtle doves and everything in the old covenant. The, the you know, we, we did a sharing for, for several months on the feast of the Lord. And that was Israel gathering unto the Lord. Well, now we gather unto the Lord in the person of Jesus Christ. We no longer gather there. He fulfills Passover. He fulfills Pentecost. He fulfills Tabernacle. All of this is contained in the person. It pleased God that in him should all fullness dwell. So here, here's where all fullness, here's where all completion, here's where everything is filled up is in the person of Christ. But hear that voice in the wilderness. Look, look there in Isaiah what, I, what is said. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortly to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished and her iniquity is pardoned that she have received a Jehovah's hand double for all her sins. The voice of one that cried, prepare ye in the wilderness the way of Jehovah. Make level a desert, a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the uneven shall be made level, and the rough places are plain, and the glory of Jehovah shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of Jehovah has spoken it. The voice of one saying, cry, and one said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the breath of Jehovah bloweth upon it. Surely people is grass." The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. O thou that tellest good tidings to Zion, get thee up on the high mountain. O thou that tellest good tidings to Jerusalem, lift up thy voice with strength, lift it up, be not afraid, say unto the cities of, Ju of Judah, behold your God. Behold the Lamb of God. What did John say? Behold your God. Behold the Lord Jehovah will come as a mighty one and his rule and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather his lambs in his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that have their young. Now we'll stop here. So the voice crying in the wilderness. Behold your God. Behold his work. His arm shall rule for him. I believe Isaiah 53 talks about the arm of the Lord. And the arm of the Lord is a person. Read Isaiah 53 and see if I'm right or wrong. 
But there's the victory. See, there's the comfort. What Isaiah 53 declares. Well, let's just read it. Flip over to Isaiah 53. Verse 1, who hath believed our message? And to whom hath the arm of Jehovah be, been revealed? For he grew up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground, he hath no form, no comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their face, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Tell Jerusalem her warfare is accomplished. Why? Because the arm of the Lord, the strength of Jehovah has been revealed. The power of his might has been made known in the person of Jesus Christ. The iniquity of us all is laid up on him. Speak you comfortly, comfortingly to Jerusalem. Comfort ye, comfort you, my people. Her warfare is over. How is her warfare? How is the warfare over? Because Jesus came in. If we could hear it as a man of war. And defeated the enemy. See, had they known it, Paul writes to the Corinthians, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They wouldn't have done it. Because in his crucifixion was their demise. That's where they were being destroyed. That's where they were, they were being brought to their end. Their power was being removed from them. And it was being brought to its very end. And the power of the Lord is given to the saints of the Most High. So it's taken from that nation that would not bear the fruits thereof. And it's given to the ones that bear his fruit. Well, who are those people that bear his fruit? Those who abide in the vine. Jesus told us that you cannot bear fruit unless you abide in me. So the only way to bear the fruit of God is to abide in his Christ. That's where the arm, the power, the strength of the Lord is revealed. That's where every foe is conquered, is in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the conquering king. And how he conquered it is he went into death. And he carried it into death with him. And buried it and put it out of his sight. 
that he would speak glad tidings to us in this new covenant. So in this new covenant, he wraps us in righteousness. He wraps us in his glory. Comfort you, comfort you, my people. So, so the victorious Lord that we're declaring wraps us in the work that he's done, brings us into all that he's done. We shall receive double by the Lord's hand. We shall receive the double portion of the Lord. I believe the double, I believe, i got to search this out, but I'm going to just throw it out here and you all can look at it, think upon it. But I believe the firstborn son received the double portion. And our lot is with the firstborn son from the dead. That's where our inheritance is at, is in Christ. So we receive double from the hand of the Lord, from the power of his might. For the iniquity of us all is laid upon Jesus. It's taken me years in my walk with the Lord to really believe that. That the iniquity is laid upon him. I've read it. I believe Jesus died for my sins. I believe that many years ago. I received him into my heart many years ago. But it's taken some years, maybe it shouldn't have, but it has, to comprehend the iniquity of us all, that he really means that. The iniquity of us all was laid upon him. He that knew no sin became sin that the warfare is accomplished. He that is dead is freed from sin. To come to a comprehension of that, that I'm free from the penalty of sin, why? That I can enjoy the life of Christ. See, see people, God's people don't believe they can enjoy his life. Honey, that's what salvation is, is, flow, is the life of God flowing in you and I. That's, that's what he's given us. That's truly it. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. That's God's life. That's the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit but God's divine life, God's divine self? The spirit of the Lord, Jesus said, is upon me, for he hath anointed me. To do what? To preach good tidings to the people. To declare the acceptable year of the Lord. To declare an acceptance. Wow. Wow. See, see, before he came, there wasn't a declaration of acceptance. There was just a continual reminder year after year and time after time of sins and trespasses and iniquities. But when he came, he preached deliverance to the captives and acceptance 
and acceptance. And Paul got a hold of this and said, you are accepted in the beloved. Man, what joy should be upon our heads or in our minds. What, <laughs> what joy should be in the people of God. Because we've been made accepted. We've been redeemed from the curse. Translated out of darkness. Into the kingdom, the rule of God's dear son. That's what we've come to, his rule, his authority, his power. Look at that in Luke chapter 4. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he hath anointed me. That's Luke 4.18. He hath anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He hath sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised. Why? Because the bruising... The bruising of sin was laid upon him to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he gave it to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say to them today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your ears. So there was no longer a coming of that day. But the person that it spoke to or spoke of came and he physically did these things. The woman with the issue of blood. The woman whose son was dead and being carried, I guess, through the streets. And Jesus came on the scene and did what? Killed him. Brought him back to life. The release of the captives. See, all that was done in Jerusalem. Declared in their midst. Why was it declared in their midst? That they would receive him. What did most of them not do? receive him. But those that received him, they became sons of God. See, judgment was given to them, to Peter, to Paul, to John, to James. See, great fear, the Bible says in that day, fell upon that land, the day of the apostles. Because the judgment had been removed from the priesthood. And it was now coming forth 
through the apostles with power and signs and wonders. And what did they try to do to the apostles? Well, we'll kill them all. So there's always this motive to get rid of them. Why was their motive to get rid of them so they could have their power, their authority, their thing that they had had? But when Jesus hung upon the cross and died and was buried and raised from the dead, their power and authority was gone. Their, their, their kingdom was disrupted. Everything that they had 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 been overthrown. And now only those that receive him would come into the glory of God. And it's still that way. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the power of the gospel calling upon the name of the Lord. And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except what? They be sent. Glory to the Lamb of God. That people would call on his name and be translated out of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. That they would come into the acceptable year of the Lord. Come into God's acceptance in Christ. And know the double portion. Know the healing for their sins. Yes. Now, folks, we, we have some really good news to share because we dwell in Christ. And, honey, that's great news. I'll leave this thought with you. I said it this morning, and it's becoming a thought in my heart that I've shared with you a couple of times. It's becoming something I like to say. Christ, our life, is a pretty good thing. Christ, our life. It's what Paul says. We don't have a bad life. You know, we say that sometimes, oh, I've got a bad life. No, you may have a bad situation. But you've got an excellent life. Your life is Christ. It's comprehending your life. Your life is as good as it gets. That's what I was trying to get to. It's just about as good as it gets. Because he's your life. And it doesn't get any better than Jesus, folks. I don't care what you're looking for. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. By him, all things consist that consist. And we are in him. Well, I'll stop right there tonight. Glory to God. And I'll start with uh, Brother Jim Wickens.